0: in Romans chapter 12, if you've got your Bible, Romans chapter 12, we're in our third week of our series, We Are Family, and if you look back here, um, we've got this beautiful painting that we're going to be kind of unveiling our theme for the year, but we're starting with this idea of family, and we believe that as the church, as the body of Christ, that we are the family of God, that God has brought us together. And so we're going through this series trying to figure out exactly, specifically from Romans 12, what it means to be the family of God. What are characteristics of people who are part of God's family? And I know as well that for some of us this morning that that idea of family is kind of a loaded thing. And some of us may have come from great families where we felt support, we felt love, and and things were just good and we were able to grow up in a stable environment. But for a lot of us, that's probably not the case. Maybe you grew up in an environment that was difficult and that was hurtful. And so I know that for some of us here this morning, that this idea of family may have some baggage with it. We certainly understand that. We know that families are made up of imperfect people. And this family is no different. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to get things wrong. We're not always going to have the right motives behind what we do. But thankfully, we are brought together by a God who is bigger than our mistakes, who's bigger than things that we mess up, and by his grace, he is going to accomplish what he wants to accomplish, even in the mess of us trying to figure out what it means for us to be family together. And uh, I think that <clears throat> we just have to be really careful and really faithful to be intentional about thinking more about each other than we think about ourselves. And as we think more about each other, then we're going to automatically get some things right. But it's a struggle, and parents, you probably know this, more than anyone, I walked into my house the other day, and uh, I walked into screaming, and my kids were on two sides of a coloring book, and they were like, it was this massive game of tug and war, where they were tugging on this coloring book, and it was like, but it's my coloring book, but you said that I could borrow it, but I changed my mind, and this back and forth, and back and forth, and, and we see that, and we know, like, it's hard for us to think more about each other than it is for us to think about ourselves. And while it's easy to point at our kids and say that they're guilty of it, truthfully, we are just as guilty. We have a hard time when we don't get our way. We have a hard time when things don't go the way that we want them to. We get up in arms about this kind of stuff and we wonder, like, why can't that person just do things the way that I want them to do things? Why do they always have to go and do things their way? Why can't they be more like me? But truthfully, God has given us all different gifts and different personalities and different ways of approaching things. And if we all tried to do them in the same way, we'd miss the idea of what families should be like. As families look at each other and respect each other, their gifts, their personalities. So Paul's writing in Romans 12 to the church of Rome. And he looks at the church of Rome and sees... Yes, this is one family, but it's one family of of many different people with many different gifts and many different roles and many different responsibilities. And that's not a bad thing. In fact, it's a beautiful thing. It's not a weakness. It's a strength when we're able to come together and use the things that God has given us for the good of the kingdom. So Romans chapter 12, uh, we're going to start reading uh, in verse 3. Let's read together. And so Paul starts this idea saying that we need to, number one, think soberly. We have to think soberly. And as we think soberly, we need to think soberly about me. So Paul starts talking about grace here. And just the fact that God gives us grace is proof of the fact that we need grace. That there's something inside of us that needs to experience real grace. There's something deficient in us, something in us that's not perfect and it creates this need and truthfully it's our sin and our mistakes and the bad choices that we make that drive us away from God where God steps in and gives grace to us in a big way and all of those things should cause us to not think more highly of ourselves but even the good things in our life even even the things that we do well and the right choices that we make those things are a gift to us of grace from God. And as we are tasked with this goal of thinking soberly about ourselves, it's a hard thing to do. Cuz I don't know about you, but sometimes my emotions take me in different places and my desires take me in different places. And we go on these kind of roller coasters of trying to think about life and think about ourselves and think about our families and think about our church and we we struggle to do this because our emotions and our desires are always going to drive us in other directions and we're not going to be able to look at ourselves in a clear way but instead we need a better lens we need a better lens than what we want we need a lens of what god wants and that's a lens of his grace i love what dietrich bonhoeffer says Um, he wrote a book He was a german pastor and he wrote a book called life together um, which is a book on christian community we have it for sale out there i would encourage you to pick it up it's It's a really incredible book about what the family of God should be. But he said this, he said, only he who lives by the forgiveness of his sin in Jesus Christ will rightly think little of himself. He will know that his own wisdom reached the end of its tether when Jesus forgave him. See guys, when we look at ourselves through a lens of grace, it allows us to put ourselves where we need to be. Lower than other people lower than jesus lower than we would want and it allows us to boast in the one who showed us that grace and our savior this whole idea of thinking soberly there's an opposite to that right and it's the opposite that we find ourselves in, in emotionally but the opposite of being sober is being at a point where we can't think clearly we can't do the things that we need to do and In our society, we even have laws that don't allow you to do things if you aren't sober. And there's a reason for that because we need to be thinking clearly. We need to have a clear path ahead for where we need to be going. And Paul is encouraging us that we need to think with sober judgment and make sure that we're not skewed by our wants and our desires, but we can look at ourselves through a good lens and that is the lens of Jesus. But not only do we need to think clearly think soberly about ourselves but about me but we need to think soberly about us about us as the body because it's not just me it's us and it's us who god has called together that we are a body the body of christ and that we are united together by something we'll talked about this in the first week of this series where he talked about how we have been adopted into the family of god as brothers and sisters by the mercy and by the grace of God. We don't deserve to be a part of family, but God has brought us together as a family. It's the gospel that brings us together. It's the hope and the good news and the grace of Jesus and what Christ has done for us that allows us to be together. And even though we have that unity as a family, there's still a great diversity among us. We are one family, but we're one family with many different gifts and many different personalities, many different functions and and different roles. And we really do, even with that, belong together. That God designed us to be brothers and sisters together. It's not just when we want to come to church, not just when we feel like we can come to church, but we are the church. We are a part of this family. Because of that, we need to value the gifts of the people around us and lift up what God wants to accomplish through all of us, not just through me, not just through you. This past week, we did a personality profile with our staff, and we kind of looked at each other's personalities and and saw kind of where we fit within the team. And sometimes when you do those things, it's it's always interesting and fascinating, Uh, and the fear is always that we're kind of all in the same quadrant. Thankfully, that's, that's not the case. God has given us a variety of personalities on our team. Because if we were all the same, we would be a terrible staff. We'd be a terrible team. We would all want to do the same thing. We'd constantly be running into each other. We would look at everything the same way. And we would miss what a team approach and seeing things from a variety of perspectives and doing things in a variety of different ways Allow us to bring where you have a group of people who can function together really well and not be getting in each other's way, but be supporting each other and encouraging each other. And we're blessed with that as a church to have a a staff team like that. Because we're different, we can function well together. And it's the same for us. If we think too highly of ourselves individually, then what it does is it devalues the people around us how do we as a body value each other and encourage each other in the gifts that God has given us? I love what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. He deals with this idea, starting in verse 14, he says, For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, Because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, Because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, And then drop down to verse 27, he says, No, you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And we have to think about each other and how we need each other. Over Christmas, um, I got surprised with something that honestly uh, totally shocked me. It's something I've been dreaming about for a long time, almost every month. And... Um, a lot of you probably know that I used to be in a band, like in my past life. Um, I was a part of this band for like eight years, and it was, it was just this huge thing in my life. And honestly, like going to seminary and going into ministry, like the hardest thing for me to sacrifice was that. Um, and, and so I've been chatting with, with the guys in the group about what would it look like for us to get together sometime. And, and so somehow they conspired with my wife. Um, to get this like reunion thing together while we were back home, and I had no idea what was happening. One night, um, one night, Emily's parents volunteered to watch our girls and said, "You guys just go enjoy yourself." And so I was like, "Awesome, we get a date night. Like this is wonderful." And Emily was like, "I've got a great idea. Just go with it. Don't ask me any questions." And so I'm like, "Okay, Uh, this is great." Um, From someone who doesn't like surprises, so I was I was pumped. Like I was thrilled. I love surprises. She doesn't. So I was really excited. Um, but then, like we made this like turn to a direction of town where there literally was like nothing to do, and I'm like, "This is kind of odd, like where are we going? And we turned into like this really dark neighborhood we're driving down this long, dark road, and I, I'm what in the world is happening? We pull up to this house down at the end of the street, and you just imagine yourself like kind of in a weird, like kind of sketchy situation, like that's what I'm thinking like. This feels like if I was involved in something I shouldn't be involved in. That's what this feels like right now. And so we get out of the car and we walk up to this door, which is just totally random and ring the doorbell, and like the door opens, and it's like my best friend, my college roommate, and we played music together for years, and man, I just gave him this big hug and I'm like, what an incredible surprise. And he's like, Come here. And so I follow him and we walk upstairs. And there, the two other guys from our band with this room full of equipment, and we got to spend several hours together just hanging out, playing music. Of course, they all knew what was happening, so they rehearsed and, like, were ready. I had no idea, so I was the weakest link for sure. But, but it was this really beautiful thing, and we had not been in the same room together for 15 years. But it was a really magical thing to come together and remember and kind of celebrate what God had done. Um, through that through that time in our lives, and um, but like if any of one of us had not been there, it wouldn't have been the same. If our drummer Tony had decided, you know what, like I- I'm just not going to go, like it's not my thing, we would have come together and it would have been great, and we maybe would have tried to play something, but it would have been bad and it would have been awkward. If he had decided to come and just sit and watch what was happening on the sidelines and be like, yeah, guys, that's great, like. Things wouldn't have gone well, like we needed all of us with all the gifts that God had given us, with the parts that only we knew how to play on the team to make the good stuff happen. Because we as the church are no different. We need each other. We need each other to use these gifts that God has given us. And we have to be able to look at each other and value those things. We belong together. We were designed to be together. And we depend on each other. And when your gift is missing, it's not the same for all of us. We miss out. The body suffers, not able to do what God has asked us to do. Will said this earlier in the series. We don't attend church. We are the church. We don't attend family. Like we are a family. You don't volunteer at a family. You are a family. We don't do family. We are a family. It's built into who we are. And our families that we grew up in gave us all a name that kind of marks and identifies who we are as a family. And we bear that name. And sure, you can change it or do whatever you want to do, but it'll always be a part of your identity. And us, Church of Cane Bay, we bear a name as well. And it's not just Church of Cane Bay but we bear the name of the one who brought us and united us together because we are the body of Christ. We have an identity together. We belong together, and God designed for us to be together. Paul uses this language specifically, body of Christ. We are collectively a visible representation of Jesus to the world. Or if our community wants to see what Jesus looks like, then they need to come and see the church in action. That's Jesus, the body, visibly seen and experienced. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 2.15, For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. We give off a sense of who Jesus is by the way that we love and serve each other to us and to the outside world. God gives us these gifts to make us like him, and then he expects us to use them to represent him, not only among ourselves, but out in our community as well. And so we have to think soberly about me. We have to think soberly about each other. And then number two, we have to use our gifts to serve sacrificially. Let's look at verse six. <clears throat> It says, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If in, in pro- prophecy, in proportion to our faith, of service and our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. I love where, where Paul starts in verse 6 yet again. He says, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, These gifts that we have are grace from God. It's not about us. They're not natural. They're not things that we achieve on our own. They're given to us by God. And Paul says, then use them. We have to use them. We don't want to leave them on the wayside and waste them and and squander them. That would be saying we don't care. We're not grateful for what God has given us. We want to use these gifts that God has given us. And then he lists out kind of a list of what some of these gifts are and it's not exhaustive if you want to find more you can look in first corinthians chapter 12 where paul gives us more but all of these things he lists here prophecy service teaching encouragement generosity leadership mercy but what's fascinating about what paul says is that for each one he doesn't just mention the gift but he mentions the fact that we have to be using that gift if our gift is service then we need to serve if our gift is teaching, then we need to teach. If our gift is encouragement, then we need to encourage. The point of it is action. We've got to use these things for God's glory and for our own growth. <clears throat> Here's a great example um, of what it looks like when a group of people use their gifts together. in The 1980 Olympic Games, and some of you... Uh, might remember this, I was one years old, one year old, so I don't remember it personally, but uh, in, in the 1980 Olympic Games, uh, the USSR team came into those Olympics, having won out of the previous six Olympic Games, Winter Olympic Games, they won five out of the six uh, gold medals for hockey, and, uh, and man, you have places that are like super into hockey that have these like incredible power teams like that, and that was USSR, and then you had the American team, I feel like I got some flack from the, the first crowd by saying, I mean, it's America. Like, hockey's not that big of a deal. Um, I don't know. I grew up in Mississippi, and now I live in South Carolina. Um, we actually did have a hockey team in Mississippi, and I love going to the games. But historically, hockey's just not been as big of a deal for us as it is in other places. And, and proof, 1980 games were, like, big proof of that. Uh, like, the team that they put together for the games that year – uh, only one of the the people on the team actually played in the in the last previous Olympic games before. Most of them were college students. The team captain was a guy named Mike Arizona, and Mike um, didn't even make the regular hockey team at Boston College. Like he was on the B team, and this is the team captain um, for the U.S. hockey team. And so they came together. But what Mike did understand was it's not about just having like one or two guys who are like stars who carry the whole thing, but We've got to figure out how to use our gifts and work together to achieve something better together than just having a couple of guys who do everything. And so they started working on that. Three days before the Olympic Games, there was an exhibition match between the U.S. and USSR. And sadly, the U.S. got demolished 10 to 3. And so they're walking into the Olympic Games, kind of beat up already. And they were uh, ranked 7th, and the USSR was ranked number 1, of course, and but they started using their gifts, and they started working together in a real way. And and the, as the progression went, and they they, they were playing through, they, they kept winning because they were working together, because they knew how to use each other's strengths in such a way to do something really well um, together as a team. And so they came to the moment where they were playing USSR, and it wasn't even like the it wasn't even the medal match, um, but it was the match before that, but. But it was still, like, the big deal, U.S. versus the USSR. And it's this big game. They'd already been beat by this team in a big way. And and as they were playing, like, they were doing really well. And they were holding up. And eventually, like, they actually moved into the lead in this game. And we look back on this game and call this, this epic moment the miracle on ice. And I've got a, a clip of the last minute of the game. the game is ending said, do you believe in miracles? Like watching this team achieve something that nobody thought would be possible. It's just an incredible moment. And I have to believe, what if our community could look in on our church and say, do you believe in miracles? And it could happen if we, like a team, worked together What God has called us to do in such a big way. We all have gifts that God has given us to use as a body for the sake of of this church and for our community. And not using our gifts hurts this mission that God has given us. Using them allows incredible things to happen. Listen guys, the gospel doesn't produce spectators. It produces teammates produces people who work together for the good of something, a goal, and a mission, who don't just watch the mission, but they do the mission together. The gospel doesn't just produce friends. It produces family who are bought into what God wants, and they're willing to do whatever they have to do so that God gets what he wants, all using their gifts and all working together. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, that German pastor, said this later in Life Together. He says, In a Christian community, everything depends on whether each individual is an indispensable link in a chain. Only when the smallest link is securely interlocked is the chain unbreakable. No matter what gift we have that God has given us, guys, your gift allows this chain to be unbreakable. Your gift allows for great ministry and the proclamation of the gospel to happen here at our church, and not using our gifts says that we think more about us than we think about that. Thinks It says that, you know, it, it's going to take too much work or too much effort. I just don't have the energy to put into that. or It's going to take up too much time on my calendar, and I just can't make it happen. Like, I've got all this stuff going on, and, and that's just going on the back burner. Or it says that, you know what, if I do that, then somebody's going to see me doing that. Uncomfortable. The problem with all those things are we're thinking about me. God doesn't call us to think about me. As a body of Christ, we have to think more about we than me. I know that's bad grammar. I was an English major. But the principle is true. Because we have to learn what it means to think about each other and to work together. How can we think more about the body than ourselves? This is what families do. Parents, you do this every single day. You sacrifice what you want for the good of your kids. You do it every single day because you're a family, because you're a parent, and because it matters. And it's the way our families should work together too. If we sacrifice what we want. We sacrifice our gains for the good of the family. For the good of the kingdom One of the primary ways That we can do this Is to use our gifts To serve each other In your seat this morning You had a half sheet of paper And one side of it says Serving on a team This is a list of of Just the different teams That we have here At Church of Cane Bay Where you can plug in And use your gifts There's a lot of different things there Greeter, hospitality, safety parking Events, um, tech, band kids, students. There's even two new teams on there. One is admin office. Maybe you don't like to be like the person up in front of people, but you've got free time during the week, and you can come and help us get some stuff done that needs to be done to be ready for Sunday morning. Um, Getting bulletins ready and stuff like that's a great team to plug into. Another one, facility team, somebody who comes early on Sunday morning, just making sure the building is Sunday ready. They're going to do what they need to do, stock the bathrooms, make sure that everything is set up for the chairs and the back of the chairs, spot clean around. Um, There is a place on here for you to use the gifts that God has given you for the good of the body of Christ. We can use our gifts to serve each other. And I want to challenge you this morning um, to mark this. I don't think there's a reason for probably any of us to like leave an empty one of these in our seats this morning but if you look at it you've got two options down at the bottom and it's like i'm on this or these teams or i'm interested in this or these teams so do this for me this morning if you're serving on one of these teams already fill out your info mark i'm on this team and mark what team it is in a few minutes the offering baskets are going to come by and you can drop it in this is just something we're doing together as a family Because we are a family and we all have gifts that we are going to use for the kingdom. Or maybe you're not on a team yet. But as you look at this, you're like, man, I could plug in and do that. Or I could use my gifts there. Then Mark, I'm interested in this or these teams. And drop this in the offering basket as it's going to come by uh, in just a little bit. We would love to help you find a place. Your family needs you. We are at our best as a church when you are serving with us. And because God has designed you to use your gifts, you are at your best when you are using those gifts to serve with us. But it's not just about us. It's about our community. It's about every man, woman, and child that we come in contact with outside of these walls as well. Because we want them to get a clear picture of who Jesus is through us as well. This past Friday, as a community, uh, we experienced a, a great tragedy. A hard thing that you hate to see families have to go through. That you hate to see students at a school have to go through. And that as a community, you don't know what to do when we see things like that happen. But moments like that are a real Opportunity for the family of God and the body of Christ to step in and show a lost world who doesn't have hope just what Jesus is all about. As we have people that we come in contact with every single day, Both personally and as a family, to express Jesus to them in a real way that they can see and understand. We want every man, woman, and child to see, hear, and respond to the gospel of Jesus. It's our ultimate goal. Jesus called us to make disciples, and it's true for us both personally and as a family mission as a church church came to exists to see that every man woman and child in a five mile circle from here has multiple opportunities to see hear and respond to the gospel of jesus it's a massive goal and if we're going to do it we need you with us we need your gifts with us because that's when we're our strongest it's why we do these things called missional communities that charles talked about earlier it's why we're starting today a brand new semester of missional communities so that we, as the body of Christ, can use the gifts that God has given us to express Jesus to people outside these walls. And it is so vitally important, so much more important than even what we do here on a Sunday morning or or serving on a team here. Expressing the hope of Jesus to our community matters in such a big way because it is the thing. the back of that sheet you'll see a list of different missional communities charles mentioned some of them uh, earlier to you guys we've got groups in all the schools we have a new group who's reaching out just to students in our community this semester we have a group that serves berkeley county dss that's one of the hardest and darkest places in our community those folks have to deal with things that you possibly couldn't even imagine happen on a daily basis we have an opportunity to express the light of jesus in the midst of that darkness it's an incredible place to plug in and serve and use the gifts that god has given you all of these are great so i want to encourage you in the same way just as you did with the teams and probably more important than the teams is we want to see you connected in a community where you can use your gifts so that you can make the gospel of jesus known in our So if you're already in one of these missional communities, you can mark at the bottom, I'm in this missional community, and mark what it is. But if you're interested and you're not a part of one yet and you want to plug in and you want to find out more info, just mark, I'm interested in this missional community, and check it off. what will happen is one of our leaders will follow up with you and give you info on how you can be a part and how you can be connected and what God is doing through that family and through that community. We would love to get you connected. I love seeing in our missional communities people get to use the gifts that God has given them in a real and in a tangible way. I love seeing it happen. Emily and I started a, a new missional community that is focused on foster care in our community this past semester, and we're going after two things. One is we want to encourage and support foster families that are already there with the hope of Jesus. And number two, we want to promote foster care. We want to get more people on board and more people engaged, realizing that Every day, even in Berkeley County, we have kids coming into care out of really bad situations. And those kids need people who love Jesus to take them in and take care of them in moments like that. So we've taken that seriously as a missional community. We came together, a lot of us didn't know each other well. We didn't know how things were going to go or how things were going to really fit together. But it's incredible that as needs arose, God provided people that have gifts that we needed. And we didn't know, we had to figure out how to reach out to to foster families, and we didn't have a way to really do that, but God gifted us with somebody in our missional community uh, who was really good with spreadsheets and databases and building a survey. And because of that, we got to build relationships with tons of foster families in our community because God provided someone who had a gift to help us get there. For events that we we were doing, uh, we needed to reach out to people in the community to say, hey, can you help? Can you come alongside us? And we had somebody in our missional community who believed it was their gift to like cold call people and say, we're doing this and we need you to do it with us. Like praise the Lord, God provides. We had somebody gifted with art who could sit down with kids at an event we did and paint their face, having conversations with them and sharing the hope of Jesus with them. God provides when we are able to use the gifts that he's given us. And all of our missional communities are that way. Our missional community that does ESL ministry on Thursday nights down in Goose Creek has been blessed with Spanish speakers and people who who know ESL and know how to step in and be a part of what what God is doing there, and that's huge. God provides people with those kinds of gifts. Our uh, DSS group is now led by new foster parents who are already in the system and, and know what those caseworkers struggle through. God provides gifts and needs as we. Are willing to follow him in obedience in a real way. So as we finish up today, I, I want us to do two things. And the first thing is that I think we just need to admit to God and admit to ourselves, and that's probably the harder part, that God has given us gifts to use. That we all have gifts, that every single one of us has been gifted by God with something that we can use for the kingdom. And so this morning. I want to challenge you, and I'm going to ask you to do something with me. That if God has given you a gift, and he has, then I'm going to ask you to stand with me right now so that we can acknowledge and admit to ourselves that we have a gift that God has given us. There should be none of you sitting down. We should all be standing because God doesn't create people and not gift them. God has given us all gifts to use for the kingdom. Now, a lot of you are probably asking a really valid question. You're you're saying, okay, so I believe that God has given me a gift, but I have no clue what it is. I have no idea. And there are like spiritual gift inventories out there that you can take that will help you figure those things out. But I really want to challenge you. The best way that I think you can figure out how God has gifted you is just to plug in and start serving somewhere. Plug into a missional community. Plug into a service team. And allow God to do what God does because God is going to allow you to use that gift in a real way. And you're going to begin to see that and people are going to encourage you and say, man, God did this through you and that's incredible. That's how you are going to best determine and figure out like what are the gifts that God has given me to use for the kingdom in a big way. But here we are, body of Christ, that God is gifted with gifts and we're all standing whether we wanted to or not, like acknowledging that and admitting that to ourselves, but we can't just stop at standing. We have to keep going by serving. And so my challenge for you this morning is not to stay in this, yeah, God's given me a gift. But to ask yourself, where can I use it? Where can I allow God to use me in a way that makes a difference? In this body, the community it's full of people that need to know and experience the hope of jesus so let's commit to doing that together would love it for every single one of us to fill this out whether we're on a team not in an mc not but we want to help you get connected into a place where you can begin to do what god has designed you to do because it's bigger than a career bigger than a hobby it's bigger than anything you can imagine this is how god made you and what god made you for a mission that every man woman and child that you come across in your life would have an opportunity to respond to the hope of jesus you have a gift for that and we want to be obedient to god to use it. So i want to challenge you in just a minute the offering baskets are going to come by to fill this out drop this in let us help you get connected a place where you can use those gifts hear me only you can do what you do only you can there's no one else who has been gifted by god like you and if you don't use your gifts we all miss out missional communities miss out we need ears to help us hear